six of nine on threes for Harden. It's Durant exploding. For the Sixers, a fake, another one, a team. Oh! Rejected, erased inside Jackson. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Fake Lopez, as always. And I'm back with an episode as well as the NBA. The NBA is also back from All-Star break. And it didn't disappoint, not even a little. Uh, I want to announce, obviously, first, the Kobe video is going to be coming out latest Monday for the YouTube channel. As always, on the next uh, pod episode, I will drop the link on it. If you do follow the YouTube page, if you are subscribed to it, obviously, if you're on the lookout for it, you're going to see it before the next episode comes out anyway. Uh, But without further ado, I want to jump into just kind of what was going on uh, with all the games. I'm not going to go over every single game. I am going to go over uh, a couple of them. Obviously, uh, some of the ones that I did watch, uh, but I do want to get right into it so I can get this episode out of the way. Uh, You know, some teams continuing where they left off and others looking to right the ship, right? So Cavs versus Nuggets off the bat was a great start to the second half of the season as a fan. These are the kind of games that make you proud to be an NBA fan. And this was the kind of game you have no idea who's going to win throughout the entire time, up until pretty much the final seconds. And this is one of the reasons I love the second half of the season, especially when you see the standings as close as they are. Players are going to be missing less games for rest purposes unless they're actually injured. And it's just too risky to miss games for rest unless you're super ahead in the standings, which only like four teams are. And that just means the rest of the teams that are fighting to keep their playoff spot or fighting to move up some spots are going to be playing hard night in and night out. And a lot of these games are going to have a playoff atmosphere because of what's at stake. And I'll get into that specifically later on in this episode. So back to Cavs Nuggets. So this was a matchup that I was looking forward to because Cleveland is such an oddly built fun team compared to a lot of other teams in the league. You know, obviously because they play with two towers in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, along with two dynamic, hyper-aggressive guards in Garland and Mitchell. Um, And I was certain that the height at the four and five for Cleveland, obviously Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, that it would cause problems for Jokic, but he just goes off for 24 points, 18 rebounds, 13 assists, continuing to lead the league in triple doubles while also averaging a triple double to go with his amazing season, looking like he's going to be running away with his third MVP in a row. It's still really early to say, but it does look like he's running away with it, at least from a performance standpoint, you know, obviously also from a win standpoint, Jokic just can't be stopped. Okay. The only way you're going to beat Jokic, as I explained on the last podcast is by punishing drop coverage, right? Getting up and down as fast as, as fast and as often as possible, right? If you can't achieve those two things, if you can't punish drop coverage and get up and down the floor quickly. You're most likely not going to beat the Nuggets. And the problem with this matchup is that according to second spectrum, Wherever you get your stats, you know, like StatMuse or wherever else, the Cavs are dead last in pace, okay? Part of that is obviously because of Mobley and Allen together at the same time. Mobley is actually pretty mobile though, you know? So, you know, but when you have both of these guys out there, it means the speed of the game isn't going to match up with a lot of the faster squads out there. Good news for the Cavs is... They do have a lot of versatility on their roster, so they can play in a bunch of different ways. Uh, But when you're dead dead last in pace, 
it already sets you up for failure against Jokic because he loves to play in the half court, right? So you're you're basically playing to his strengths when you're playing slow. So, you know, that being said, Mobley went off for 31 points, two for four from three, while Mitchell and Garland did their thing, you know, 22 points each. You got a nice 14 point, 13 rebound game from Allen. But after that, it wasn't enough contribution from everyone else. You know, and the obvious problem that I continue to see with the Cavs all year long, and it was something that I expected, uh, just the missing piece of the puzzle. And that's the small forward position, right? That you They need a small forward that can reliably contribute on both ends. And I just don't see it with Okoro. You know, two points in 20 minutes? Not a single three-pointer attempted. The last five games for Okoro, Okay, just for some random context, seven points, seven points, six points, five points, two points, which was this last game that just happened. It just doesn't cut it for me. Like, yeah, he's a pretty good passer. He's a pretty good defender. He moves off the ball. You know, he's pretty active, but he's just not aggressive enough. He doesn't pose as much of a threat to make the defense think twice about him. And that's why he's just the weak link on this starting lineup. You know, the next level for the Cavs, is obviously when Mobley gets more reps, but when they figure out the small forward situation, that's when they're going to change and get to that next level. Uh, They're a solid team otherwise, obviously, sitting comfortably. uh, But, you know, the Nuggets are so deep that if your bench doesn't show up, it's just not going to happen for you. You know, the Cavs shot 23% from three. Um, You know, the Nuggets shot 47% from three. So as close as this game was, looking at it with a magnifying glass, a.k.a. checking the box score, you know, Jamal Murray had an awful game for his standards. Three for 11 from three, six for 19 from the field, but it didn't matter for the Nuggets. You know, Michael Porter Jr., who felt like he never missed a shot, eight for 14 from the field, six for 10 from three. He was money and has been money for the Nuggets. You had Caldwell Pope reigning threes, shooting four for four from three, you know, cutting to the basket, just doing Caldwell Pope things. You know, no Aaron Gordon in this game right? Because he's obviously still out with an injury. So this was a great win for the Nuggets. You come out with a win on a bad game for Murray, no Aaron Gordon, and on the road in Cleveland, that's that's a huge win for them. You know, and the Cavs do have some good cushion. You know, there's some room for error, technically speaking. So sitting comfortably at fourth, right? As a fourth seed at 38 and 24, not a huge loss for the Cavs, but they can't afford to head down that path, right? They need to stay solid. They need to keep winning games and maintain home court advantage. Um, Now, for the next game, the Celtics beat the Pacers in overtime, 142 to 138, right? Now, I didn't watch this game, and I honestly wish that I did. And I'm going to have to give that one a watch on League Pass uh, over the weekend. Uh, But from the looks of the box score, it was one of those ugly, high-volume, inefficient nights for Tatum. But a win is a win for Boston, right? They'll take it. Uh, Tatum had 31 points, but, you know, 9 for 25 from the field, 3 for 12 from 3. I mean, it's really my only concern outside of health for the Celtics. They just love to chug threes, you know, at insane rates. And obviously the Celtics have to thank God for Jalen Brown. You know, 30 points on 11 for 24 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3. He just provides that ultimate plan B when things aren't going well with Tatum, right? Or anyone else, right? Jalen Brown's just an awesome plan B for you. And then you have Miles Turner in this game. 40 points on 13 for 15 from the field, eight for 10 from three. I think Rob Palinka smacking himself in the forehead after seeing a night like that. 
Uh, just a guy that's going to anchor your defense. He's mobile. He spreads the floor. What more can you ask, right, from a guy that plays his position? Then you have Tyrese Halliburton with a typical 22-14 and 14 game. Just incredible floor leadership and understanding of the game at such a young age. Just super impressive to watch. Um, you know, just one of those guys that's going to continue to get better and better and better, which is really scary and really awesome and promising for these Indiana Pacers. I want to move on to the next team here on this list. I have uh, the Orlando Magic, who were 5-20 and 20 at the beginning of the season. <laughs> okay, uh, now 25-35 and 35 with another win. And yes, it was against the Pistons, but this team has quickly turned their season around in terms of being disgustingly bad, right? They go from being disgustingly bad to now being a team that causes problems, okay? Still very young, still a lot to learn, but this team is big, it's aggressive, the energy is infectious. I love watching the Magic play, even from early on in the season when they were really bad, uh, because it's just a fun show, whether they win or lose. You know, they just have a lot. To, to be to be hopeful for as a, as a Magic fan, right? Uh, next game here on my list, Sixers. They beat the Grizzlies 110 to 105 in one of the ugliest shooting displays that you'll probably see from Jaw, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks at the same time, right? Triple J, one for seven from three. And by the way, one of those threes, if you guys, uh, I don't know if you guys watched that game, but one of those threes was just like a crazy heave Right, didn't even look like it was going to go in, and it did. So, one for seven from Triple J. Dylan Brooks, one for five. Desmond Bain, four for 12. John Morant, not a good three-point shooter. We know this already. 0 for two. Uh, but when you read that on this box score, it doesn't really tell the story of how the game went because you would you would look at that and say, man, you know, the Sixers killed them. But when you you know when you when you actually watch this game, Memphis was killing the Sixers all game long. You know, Jaron Jackson blocked four shots in this game. And one of them was all over highlight pages, which was the one where he blocked Embiid. It was a huge block. Uh, you know, Jaron Jackson hits the floor after that block. Uh, but a true showing of his defensive player of the year argument. He's been as great on defense as we always expect him to be. But speaking of blocks, Joel Embiid had six. <laughs> okay, just dominant on both ends. And it's funny because when I see a team like Memphis, number one in pace in the league, Facing the Sixers, who are middle of the pack in pace, you know, somewhere like 15th in the league, this game started off the way I thought it would. I just thought the Grizzlies, just the pace alone and energy, would give them the win against a team that focuses their possessions around Embiid, who loves to play in half court, right? And he loves to play in the half court. Um, it was really looking like Memphis was going to win up until like the last minute of the game. But a little bit before the final minute, Harden hits a clutch three, and Bede gets a huge clutch block on John Morant. Tobias Harris hits a clutch three with like 38 seconds left to put the Sixers up 106-105. Morant misses a floater. Harden dives for the loose ball, finds Embiid. He just throws it to Embiid while he's on the ground. Embiid dunks it on the other end, and it's pretty much ball game. You know, Sixers... They made a 17-point comeback and won, okay? This was a huge game for the Sixers, who are really trying to get a high seed in the playoffs, right? Like, we know they're top three right now in the Eastern Conference, but I know they're tr really trying to gun 
to, I guess, avoid the Celtics, right? If you're the second seed, you're going to avoid them until the conference finals. So that's something you probably want to do. Now, obviously, it's kind of tricky because Milwaukee's in between these two teams. So either the Celtics or the or the Sixers are going to have to see Milwaukee in the second round. Um, that's what it's going to be looking like. So, you know, Harden was insanely good in this game. You know, still mind-boggling to see that he didn't make the All-Star team. I mean, he's averaging 21-6-10. and 10. You know, 31 points for Harden in this game, 7 assists, super efficient, 6 for 9 from 3, 10 for 16 from the field. Tobias Harris, a.k.a. the, the Sixers wild card, 20 points, and Bede with a monster 27 points, 19 rebounds, 6 assists, and 6 blocks. You know, side note about Harden, guy gets no separation whatsoever. He's just trying to run through defenders at this point versus back in the day, him just blowing by them. You know, he's trying to create as much contact as possible because he can't blow by anyone anymore. You know, but still, with a dominant center by his side in Embiid and Tobias Harris, you know, actually showing up and knocking down shots, Harden can comfortably put up numbers, you know, but it's going to solely be based on the dominance of Embiid beside him and the role players doing, you know, showing up, right? Because Harden really struggles when, when the rest of the team is struggling to shoot because... It, it, it shrinks up the floor when the team is struggling to shoot and with the defense able to kind of collapse and cause problems for Harden, that's where Harden really struggles because he's just getting no separation. Uh, but the Sixers come up with a great win. This was an awesome win for the Sixers. You know, a comeback win, obviously, like I said, 17-point comeback. Great win for the Sixers. They're on a roll. Um, next game here, you know, Luka and Kyrie, they get their first win together and social media goes crazy. But guys, they played the tanking Spurs. The only positive out of this is that they're building chemistry and nobody got hurt. Okay, nothing else to see moving along right now at, at the final point of this episode here, you know, the moment I was waiting for all night. Okay, the Lakers Warriors game, even though Steph is still injured, it's the first Laker game of the post all-star break timeline. Okay, this one comes after LeBron's quotes about every game being the most important of his career in terms of, you know, the regular season. You get Anthony Davis quoted saying every game is a must win. And this was no excuse, right? Like this was a no excuses must win game for me. And it should be for everyone else. You know, you're playing the Warriors with your full roster rested after All-Star break and you're playing against the Warriors with no Steph Curry. Okay, it's exactly what was expected. You know, the Lakers won 124 to 111, and it comes with a bright spot that's been the Achilles heel of the Lakers all year long. And you know where I'm going with this. You know, that's the shooting. Okay, the shooting obviously was something that was just insane last night. Um, you know, Malik Beasley, 25 points on 7 for 11 from 3, 9 for 16 from the field. LeBron struggled. It was one of the ugliest games I've seen him play all year. You know, 13 points. Uh, Anthony Davis, 12 points, 12 rebounds. This was the role players night for the Lakers, and I'm cool with it, to be honest. You know, the less work Anthony Davis and LeBron have to do for the Lakers to win a game, the better it is for the long run, right? Like, there's going to be a small percentage of Laker games where these two, Anthony Davis and LeBron, have nights like this and the Lakers actually win the game, right? Like that's going to be extremely rare. And you hope that whenever LeBron and AD 
you know, randomly don't show up that the team does, you know, and they can actually come away with the win. It was pretty crazy to see, you know, but obviously you can't get too ahead of yourself when you when you're watching this because you you have to remember the Warriors are not at full strength, you know, and it, it was a crazy shooting night for the Lakers, which is something you probably have to be cautious about, right? You don't want to get too hyped about it. You don't want to get too excited because, you know, the percentages will eventually average out, right? Like if you're a 36% three-point shooter and you shoot 60% on a good night, um, you know, eventually you're you're going to most likely just go back to your average, right? Like it'll level off, right? Maybe another night you, you only hit about, I don't know, 30% of your threes. And then, you know, you start to kind of hit your, your normal rate of three-point percentage. And, you know, that's why I don't want to take too much from this. I don't want to get too hyped about this kind of game. You know, as good as it was, the energy was awesome. You know, it was a great showing from pretty much all the role guys. You know, Austin Reeves, just highlight play after highlight play, up and unders, jumping and double clutching in the air, making these crazy uh, layups, getting a lot of foul calls, being aggressive, attacking the defenders, moving the ball. You know, Lonnie Walker obviously putting up some points on the board. Jared Vanderbilt, who didn't score a lot, but he grabbed, I think it was nine boards. I'm not looking at the box score at the moment. Um, you know, energy guy, just making things happen. You have Hachimura, obviously, putting some points on the board. You know, just being an, a solid role player. Dennis Schroeder, obviously always aggressive, gets to the basket almost at will. You know, the shot is the only question I have with Schroeder. Um, but when that shot is falling and he is at his best, he is a huge factor for the Lakers, especially off the bench. Um, you know, it was a breath of fresh air to watch those guys win a game for once without having to put a load on LeBron and Anthony Davis. You know, still though, like I said, it's just one game, okay? Warriors, not even at full strength, okay? But if you're the Lakers, you take every single win that you can, you know, every single one. And, uh, you know, that's going to do it for this quick episode. It was a lot of fun, you know, it was a lot of good games, um, a lot of tight ones, some overtime games, just, you know, obviously between the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City, there was a lot of games, that were played last night. I, I was able to watch a couple of those and I'm going to obviously go back and watch some of the ones that I wasn't able to catch over the weekend. I'll try my best to drop a pod over the weekend. It is going to be a pretty busy weekend. I'm finishing up that Kobe video. I'm going to be at a couple of uh, travel basketball games uh, early in the morning tomorrow. And yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.